Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Well, my friends, it's good to be with you again this week. Everything seems to be politics in this country. Throw in a little bit about the FBI and the Apple controversy. Uh, and you got other things going on. I'm going to start with politics tonight. Shortly I'll be into Saudi Arabia, and I have several things to mention about Saudi Arabia. I hope some of the matters that I discussed tonight will serve as an eye-opener to you or be something new, and I hope you will enjoy. Let's start with Donald Trump. I hate to say this, folks, but I've come to the conclusion Donald Trump, Trump is unstoppable. I am not for him for president. I have not been for him for president. Uh, I think he's a bully. I think he's a buffoon. Uh, I think he insults everyone. Lucky he said this past week alone, Bush, too, is responsible for 9-11. What a stupid thing to say. Uh, He insulted uh, John McCain. How could the man have been a hero? All he did was spend six years in an enemy camp. As a, as a you know, as a spy, as as a, a combat uh, person, that's nothing. Uh, last week he picked a fight with the Pope. Who picks a fight with the Pope? You just don't do this. And today, today he said, you have to understand, the New York Times is basically a liberal democratic paper. They have not been supporting uh, Donald Trump. And he said today that because one of the high echelon officers in the New York Post is Mexican, in the New York Times rather, is Mexican, that the New York Times is owned by Mexico. Because obviously uh, the Times is against whatever he says about Mexico and how he's going to handle the citizens and the immigrants coming in from there. So now the New York Times is owned by Mexico. I want to say to the people who support Donald Trump, I love you all. But you're out of your minds. This man is not presidential timber. But there's no question in my mind. He's on his way now. He's going to win the Republican nomination. And I think in the end he can beat Hillary Clinton and or, and, or Bernie Sanders and win the presidency. I have been saying consistently since he got into this fray that Donald Trump reminded me of Adolf Hitler in the early 1930s and the mid-1930s. Uh, He said to the people what they wanted to hear. The German people were unhappily, rightfully so. Things had been tough economically since World War I. They were taking a beating, and he knew what to say, and he said exactly what they wanted to hear, and they brought him into power. And the American people are going to bring this fellow Donald Trump into power, and I hope, and I hope we do not regret uh, and something occurs as happened with uh, Adolf Hitler. Interestingly, this past week, uh, there was an editorial someplace, I can't recall where, in some publication that compared compared Donald Trump to Mussolini. <laughs> uh, I think that's a compliment to Trump. Uh, better we compare him to Adolf Hitler because that's what he's like. The man's nuts. I don't know what he's going to do. He's going to get us in a war if he's president. Uh, He just doesn't understand. It is better to live in a world of cold war than a world of hot war. 
And I can just see this guy aggravating a Trump or that guy in North Korea or someone in China or in Iran. And all of a sudden, today, nuclear weapons are going to fly like never before and the whole world to be in trouble. Bill Gates has a foundation. This man is filthy rich. I think he's one of the top three richest men in the world, and properly so. What he did with computers, what he did with Microsoft, the man's to be complimented. He didn't even finish college. He quit to get into all this stuff because uh, he, he, had, he had a dream, and his dream was right. He was the, he's the Henry Ford of our time. Uh, he's given us great things. The computers, the, how can you argue with the computer, the Internet, and everything we're doing? This show itself is uh, attributable to the fact that he got things rolling. Well, Bill Gates and his wife, they contribute money big time. He's out of the business now, the computer business, he, he, and he's filthy rich. And he gives $100 million here and $100 million there. The man is doing good with his money. Uh, he's just spending it all over the place to do great and good things. We are at Iowa State University, Iowa State University. Twelve students at Iowa State University are going to be paid by the Bill Gates Foundation. Uh, they're going to be paid because they're going to eat genetically modified bananas. You heard me, genetically modified bananas. Now, we know most people in this world are concerned with genetically modified anything especially foods, because we don't know what the ultimate reaction is going to be uh, to indulging in genetically modified foods. Uh, well, as they say, uh, he says genetically modified bananas are good. He's been putting a lot of money, by the way, into genetically modified anything. Most of the very, very wealthy people in the world are investing money in this. They think it is the wave of the future and the way, the place to make money Uh and also to do some good. 20 years from now, there are going to be so many people on the face of this earth, there is not going to be enough food to feed them. So people like Bill Gates want to come up with another way, and they're into this genetically modified stuff, which I do not agree with, because no one knows how it's going to work out. Well, what's going to happen in Iowa State is this. Sometime this year, 12 students, and they happen to be girls, what they did was uh, they asked, the students to apply to be part of this study. 500 responded, 12 were selected, and they are all women, the 12 selected. They will go through three periods of eating, three different time periods with a break in between, maybe a couple eat this week and then wait another month and eat again. All they're going to have to eat in each of the three time periods is three bananas. Two of them will be bananas that you and I eat, one will be a genetically modified banana. They will not know which one is genetically modified. And then they'll wait a few weeks, and they'll go through another procedure where they'll eat three bananas and so forth. Uh, I don't like this because these ladies are guinea pigs for this whole thing. They don't know how it's going to work out. They're they're being paid. They're being paid for their participation. Nine hundred dollars each. Is it nine hundred dollars? to help them? Is it $900 to help mankind? Is it $900 perhaps to make them very ill and or kill them? 
the scientists involved on both sides are split on the safety of this situation. I personally think the students are crazy because, again, no one knows if these things, these genetically modified foods, are safe. There are an extreme number of people out there who are opposed to this banana uh, experiment at the Iowa State University. A petition has been signed by in excess of 57,000 people who do not want this study to go forward. They fear for the health of the girls. Uh, The petition has been delivered to the officials at Iowa State University and to the Bill and Melissa Gates Foundation. Neither have responded thus far. Uh, well, it's going to happen sometime this year. I don't think the petition is going to have anything to do with it. Uh, I hope nothing adverse occurs to these young ladies. Uh, hopefully something good will come of it. I just, it's stupid. It's terrible. And these girls are crazy, okay? Very crazy. Uh, now let's talk about the FBI and this Apple controversy. The FBI and the Apple controversy. This is a lot of garbage. Let me tell you straight up that this is not what it is being presented as. This is not what the uh, what's going on. The FBI is, uh, is pursuing a wrong end. Let me lay it on you this way. A false impression is being created. Uh, the FBI wants certain information on a cell phone. They want the information on a cell phone that's encrypted, they want to get that information off a particular telephone call. It has to do with the the terrorist who killed several people in California recently. Uh, the problem is, Apple created the program on the on the cell phone. Apple never created a way to go in the back door and find out what people were saying. Uh, and now the government comes to him and says, "Hey, we know." that one of the people involved in these shootings uh, had a telephone call with Amy Jones or something on such and such a date. We want to know what was said in that telephone call. The only way we can get in, since you created the program, your people have to create another program, it's uncreated, my friends, to get in so we know what was in that telephone call. Okay? Now, it's understood by all concerned that the authorities, the FBI especially, have so much information accumulated, so much evidence against these killers uh, that it's impossible for them to lose. The conversation on the cell phone is not needed. It is the frosting on the cake. I understand because I will tell you, the federal authorities, when they pursue someone, do an excellent job, and I'm not mocking them. I'm, I'm speaking out of respect. Every little detail is covered. Nothing is left unknown. And that's, they want to do the job correctly. But this is going, in my opinion, a step too far. The, the Apple says, you know, hey, we don't even have a program for this. And even if we did, we would not give it to you because we believe that people that use our phones are, have a right of privacy. It's no one's business what they say on the telephone, and we disagree with you, the FBI and the United States government. Uh, Well, well, FBI says, hey, they tell the court, if that's their problem, tell them not to worry. Have them 
prepare a program, if they can, so we can get in and find out what was on that conversation. The program will then be destroyed. We promise to destroy it. It will never be used again. And there's no fear or problem that other telephone users of Apple products will have their conversations revealed. The privacy of all will be protected. That's a crock, my friends, because I want to tell you something right now. I'm saying it with a smile. I can't help it. Once something is out in a court proceeding and accepted, no matter what that judge says, now it's going to be destroyed, never can be used again, is a crock. Because some judge down the road is going to say, in a similar situation, well, if they did it in that case, I can do it in my case. And what the, I'm going to tell you right now, what the judge says, that it can never be used again, holds no water with the new judge, because that's how the law is practiced. And so this thing's going to be used over and over again. And even if destroyed their notes, they're going to put it all together. It will take them no time. I think what we have here is a right of privacy. That is what is involved. And I don't like it. I don't, I don't think this is right. I don't think this material is needed. I compliment Apple on opposing this situation. They are protecting you and me. You know, people say, oh, I've heard people say on this issue, well, I didn't kill anybody. I don't care if they listen to my telephone conversations or are able to go back and hear my telephone conversations. Let me tell you something, my friends. I've practiced law for 45 years, and I'll tell you how things work. I don't care you haven't committed a crime, you didn't kill anybody, but if they think you might have been involved or have knowledge, the authorities will use this ability to see what you said on that telephone call, and even if they come up with nothing having to do with the, the crime they're investigating, they will come up with something about you. Maybe you've got a girlfriend, you've been having an affair, her husband doesn't know, your wife doesn't know. Now. Someday you may have a problem and the authorities come back at you with that and say, you know, if you don't cooperate on this issue, well, we're going to have to tell her husband, we're going to have to tell your wife. That's how the game is played, okay? This is not a nice world we live in, even in the United States. So let's protect our right of privacy. Uh, otherwise, going to come back and slap a lot of people in the face. want to talk about the New York State Police. When I was a young lawyer, oh, my God, it's so long ago. I got out of law school in 1960. In 1961, I got a terrific job. I became the general counsel to the Police Conference of New York, Inc. Um, every police department in the country at that time and now has a PBA, a Police Benevolent Association, in effect, the union for the policemen. In New York State, all these local PBAs of every village, town, city, and county belong to a statewide organization. And I became the attorney for the statewide organization for three years, from 61 through 64. Great job for a young lawyer. I got paid the grand sum of $4,000 a year. I'm laughing as they say it. Plus 2,000 expenses, had an office in Albany, and could practice law on the side, which helped me. Four grand back then was a lot of money. When I graduated from law school, all my goal was to earn $10,000 a year. $10,000 a year back then is 100000 today or more. I would have been set for life. All I wanted was $10,000 a year. So if I got six, 4000 to start, I'm on my way, and that's a good buck. I could support my family in 1961. That's over 50 years ago on 
$4,000 a day. My job brought me into contact on a personal basis with Governor Rockefeller, Lieutenant Governor Malcolm Wilson, who subsequently became Governor Malcolm Wilson, because my organization, the Big Shots, the, the police hierarchy generally from New York City, we would meet on a frequent basis with the governor and our lieutenant governor to talk about police legislation. So I got to know him. I was not his friend. I got to meet with him several times. I got to meet more with Malcolm, Malcolm Wilson when he was governor. Uh, now, when Rockefeller became governor, the New York State Police Force was in shambles. It was trash. It was garbage. It was nothing to be proud of. As soon as elected, Rockefeller decided to do something about it. He said, in effect, I am going to make this the finest police department in the nation. And within two years, he did. He put money into it. He put training into it. He brought great leaders in. And the New York State Police became something to be proud of, very proud of. The whole country was proud of the New York Police for many, many years. Apparently, not anymore, because what was good back in the early 1960s, more than 50 years ago, has become tarnished and is not of the same quality today. What has happened? DNA is used to identify people who commit crimes. Some part of a person's being, their body, whether it's hair, spit, what have you, sweat, is tested and if there's comparable DNA at the scene of the crime, you got your guy because DNA is almost as good as a, it is as good as a uh, fingerprint. Uh, it cannot be disputed successfully. The New York State Police would obtain DNA sample, samples regarding a crime and submit them to scientists who would then test the DNA to see if there was a comparable between the person arrested and DNA found at the scene. These scientists were independent contractors hired by the New York State Police Department to do this work. Police are crazy sometimes, even prosecutors. They become prosecution crazy. They want to win. They want more and more victories. That's the way it is. That's how people are. And it contaminates sometimes a police department. It apparently has contaminated the New York State Police Department because what they did was they went to three scientists and said, you falsify the DNA results. You say there is a comparison that this is equal to that and the person is guilty, even though they are not. Because we need more prosecutions, the argument being to thwart other crimes from occurring. And they sort of threaten these scientists. You know what you know, you're going to lose your contract. If they lost their contract, this is big money to these guys. Uh, so they gave in, and they did what the New York State Troopers wanted, they lied, okay, and got a lot of got a lot of convictions. Convictions. Today, there's a major investigation undergoing in New York State of the of the police, state police department, and there already are civil suits uh, ongoing. What's going to happen is this: when they get through all this stuff, they will know which cases the scientists worked on and came out with these reports saying that. This person is guilty. All the, the, some of those people may have gone to jail. Some may not have gone to jail, but they were convicted. 
All those cases are now going to be thrown out. They will be an attempt to retry them again, but you can't retry cases like this. I've seen this happen over the last 50 years of my career. Other people have made mistakes like this. And so all those convictions are going to be thrown out, and which is proper. Some people still in jail will be let out, properly so again, because we live in a country where you don't do that. You want to get somebody, you got to play fair. I don't care what you say, you must play fair. You should never convict a person on false evidence. And this is what has occurred in New York State. It's going to cost the state a lot of money. It's caused a lot of people who are innocent aggravation. And it's going to be a mess, a big mess. But in the end, justice will be done because the guilty and the not guilty will walk free. And they should, again, because the police contaminated the evidence and forced an improper and a wrong result. Let me get into Saudi Arabia. I love Saudi Arabia. I got to tell you something. And you should love, admire, and respect them too. Recall, my friends, they gave us $4 a gallon gasoline. When 9-11 occurred, 17 of the 21 people involved in those two planes going into the Twin Towers were citizens of Saudi Arabia. Not Iraq, Saudi Arabia. Over the years, Saudi Arabia has had a great influence in this country. I think it's because of the oil and the money. I think our politicians got involved and became contaminated, as politicians do in every, in every way, it seems. Uh, but now here's what's happening in this country today with Saudi Arabia. We have Air Force One, the president's plane. Now, is there anything in the world you want to protect but the president? Of course you protect the president. And you make sure that no one's screwing around with his airplane so it's going to go down. The same goes with the vice president, Joe Biden's plane, and the secretary of state's plane, the speaker of the house's plane, the, the majority leader of the senate's plane. They are planes, these guys. They travel all over doing, doing work for, for the people. You don't permit anyone with a checkered background to get near a plane, especially the president's airplane. Here's what has occurred. A contract was given to Boeing. Now, Boeing's a good country, company, United States company. They make airplanes. They make a lot of airplanes, uh, and they do good for our country. Boeing got the contract to maintain the planes. Good company, fine. Boeing subcontracted the contract. Now, I don't know if there was a clause in there permitting it. I assume there was. But Boeing subcontracted to a Saudi Arabia company, to a company in Saudi Arabia, to do a certain phase of the maintenance on the president's plane, Air Force One, okay? Uh, I don't like that. And I, I can't believe any of you like that. I wouldn't let any of these people from the Middle East or any foreign country that we're having trouble with, and maybe no trouble with, to get near my president's plane. we got enough people in this country who can do the work, all right? And uh, I don't know how they did this, but Saudi Arabia is supposed to be our friends, even though the $4 gallon gas, I laugh as I say, and I smile, and they were involved, we are told, but never proven with 9-11. They should not have done this. There should not have been a subcontract to a Saudi Arabia country. Now, I, all I can—I don't know what's going to happen with this. It just came out. I want to know who makes these decisions. You know, to who to use for why. 
Does anyone vet who's involved, even the subcontractors? We got a sec, we got Secret Service, we got FBI, we got all Justice Department investigators. Does anyone pay attention to this stuff anymore? And is anyone really concerned? Because people jump over the fence at the White House. One guy got into the White House last year. Does anyone care about the safety of our president? A matter for concern, another black mark on those who are supposed to protect our president and other leaders. Staying with Saudi Arabia, it was just announced that Saudi Arabia is now the biggest arms importer in the Middle East. They import more military weapons than any other country. It wasn't this way two years ago. It's a big and sudden thing. Uh, and then they subcon- they contract out. They sell the stuff they get to other countries in the Middle East and so forth. The biggest, the biggest importer of arms in the world, second biggest rather, I'm sorry, is India. And guess who supplies them uh, with what they get? You got it, Saudi Arabia. And also, Saudi Arabia sells the military equipment we sell to them to Egypt, Qatar, and the United Arab Emirates. Now, we got Saudi Arabia over there. They're in Syria. They're on opposite sides from us. They're on our side. We don't know what the hell's going on. They're in bed with, uh, you know, they're screwing around. You got Russia over there, Iran. Everything's all screwed up. And yet we're selling all these arms. 53% of the military items which Saudi Arabia is buying uh, comes from the United States. Something's wrong here. It does not make sense to me because we know since the price of gas has gone down, Saudi Arabia has taken it up the ass. The only way I can put it, and I, I'm so happy, and I'm sure you're happy, because for years they fleeced us. They made our lives uh, very unhappy with <coughs> excuse me, expensive gas, and now they're suffering because they can't get top dollar. God bless them. Let them suffer. But that's something they're doing, and I don't know why we don't pay closer attention by the way, this is the United States government selling these weapons to Saudi Arabia. It isn't a company like Remington Rand. It is your government that's selling it. And I don't know why we do it, because we know the trend in the last two years is for Saudi Arabia to sort of be on opposite sides from us. Saudi Arabia's king is Salman al-Saud. Salman al-Saud. Guess what he said in an interview just on February 19th? In a German magazine, Spiegel, he said, follow me, that if if Assad stays in power in Syria, it is the beginning of World War III. And he said it with sincerity and firmness, it's going to happen. We will see to it. It is the beginning of World War III. Now, you have to understand, Russia and Iran support Assad. Uh, Saudi Arabia does not. And this could be the fire beginning. You don't know. But here is the head of purportedly a major country in the world, Saudi Arabia, saying if Assad stays, it is the beginning of World War III. Staying with Saudi Arabia again very quickly, uh, they have atheists in in, in Saudi Arabia, people who do not believe in the Koran, who do not believe in Muhammad. We have people in this country who don't believe in God. They don't believe in the Bible. They're atheists. There ain't no place to go after we die. Well, in Saudi Arabia, they came out with a new law. They always come out with new laws. In 2014, they said that atheists, those who do not believe in Muhammad, are terrorists. Atheists are terrorists. And 
because they're going to harm the public order because they don't agree with what the good book, the Koran, says. And so they may be put to death. You heard me. They may be put to death. That's horrible. There's a woman out there right now uh, who's fighting them on this. She says, I'm an atheist. They want to put her to death. You know, in Saudi Arabia, women who women who commit adultery or have sex outside marriage, it's proper for the father and or brothers to kill that woman because she has insulted the family. And they've got to cleanse the image of the family by killing her, and they do. And this is the same thing now. that we're gonna, person doesn't have adultery, but they don't believe in God. We're going to kill them just for believing not believing in God. These are the people we're out there, and we have to do business with in the world. But we got to be awful careful. Ah, uh, where are we? Oh, we're getting close to the end of the show. We're sort of at the end of the show. So I'm going to say that's the show for tonight. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed. I spent a little time on Saudi Arabia because I thought it was warranted. I thank you for joining me again, and I look forward to being with you next week. In the meantime, as you're aware, most of you listen to the show in its archive version. Uh, several thousand of you will during the following week. And you can find it on Black Talk Radio and YouTube. It's also linked to my Key West Lou website as of Thursday morning. I wrote a book. I remind you every week, The World Upside Down. It's available on Amazon.com. It's now been out there two years. Sales have fallen off finally after two years uh, to very low numbers. And if you haven't read the book and you like this show, buy the book. It's $3 and something. It's even cheaper if you read it online. Uh, and you'll enjoy it. You will enjoy the book if you enjoy the show. If you don't enjoy the show, don't buy the book. You will not enjoy it. Thank you again for joining me. Look forward to being with you next week. <laughs>